okay, <laughs> we're going to try it again. And we're going to keep trying it till I get it wrong. This is the mop-up for November 9th, 2023. I'm David Feldman. Please like this episode, uh, share it via email and social media, leave a comment, and of course, subscribe to my channel. Okay. The Republican candidates went at it again in their third televised debate Wednesday night. Five appeared on the stage competing to see who will be the last one humiliated by Donald Trump. The subject of TikTok got heated when Vivek Ramaswamy said he opposed banning TikTok and pointed out that Nikki Haley's daughter is very active on TikTok. Nikki Haley immediately shot back, leave my daughter out of your voice. And then Will Smith stood up and punched Chris Rock. Nikki Haley turned to Ramaswamy and said, you're just scum. And that was the most substantive part of Wednesday night's debate. During the debate, Vivek Ramaswamy said he opposed funding the war in Ukraine and seemed to have said that the Jewish president of Ukraine, Zelensky, was a Nazi. Later, after the debate, Ramaswamy said he didn't mean to say that. He meant it, but he didn't mean to say it. Calling the leader of Ukraine a Nazi confuses Republicans. They think that means you want to support him. Ron DeSantis was asked if he agreed that in order to save Social Security, we should lift the retirement age. And DeSantis said, they're not lifts. They're just boots. I'm 5'11", I swear to you. The debate was held in Miami and roughly 25 miles away, Donald Trump held a rally inside a soccer stadium. Trump picked this soccer stadium because it reminded him of the one General Pinochet used in 1973 to slaughter all those leftists. Although Trump insisted the place was packed, the truth is the stadium was half empty, which is surprising because Roseanne Barr opened for him so you'd think the place would have been completely empty. Roseanne Barr opening for Donald Trump. That says it all. That's all you need to know about who's voting for Donald Trump. Roseanne should not be on a stage. She be back on. She should be back on her meds. Ivanka Trump took the witness stand in the big civil fraud trial filed by the New York State Attorney General's office against her father's glorified money laundering operation, otherwise known as Trump Org, which is short for Trump Org, anized crime. The mafia princess, Ivanka, flew in from Miami, claiming her appearance was an undue hardship because it's the middle of a school week and there's nobody back home to tell the driver to pick up her dry cleaning on the way home from dropping her kids off at school. During her testimony, Ivanka said, I can't recall. She said, I can't recall nearly 50 times. Considering how many times her father has groped her in public, I'm pretty sure this poor girl has plenty of blocked memories she can't recall. Show me on the doll where your father asked you to tell Deutsche Bank 
that Mar-a-Lago was worth half a billion dollars. Just point to the part of the doll where your father told you to lie about Mar-a-Lago. Ivanka testified for the better part of the day with just one break for lunch and three costume changes. Because Ivanka is stupid, when told she was about to be cross-examined, Ivanka said, they're examining my cross? I better put on my nun outfit. I don't mean to be cruel. I understand the pressures placed on her by her father to appear exactly the way daddy thinks a woman is supposed to look. But Ivanka showed up with such carefully manicured hair, eyeliner, and makeup, it looked like she was auditioning for Dylan Mulvaney's endorsement deal with Bud Light. Seriously, Dylan Mulvaney? Ivanka. Better now? Dylan Mulvaney? How about now? Ivanka Trump? Better? What does Ivanka say to her stylist? Make me look like whatever an adult male who's never been intimate with a woman thinks is attractive. You know, like Jared. Didn't her lawyers talk to Ivanka first before she showed up in court looking like that? Not sure three layers of concealer screams, I got nothing to hide. By the way, I'm not making fun of the way she looks. I'm making fun of the way she doesn't look. I'm sure there's an attractive woman underneath that thick finishing coat of polymers, emulsifiers, and stucco. But come on, really, it's, uh, this is a courtroom in the year 2023, not Hef's Grotto, 1979. I saw a video of Ivanka walking into the courtroom, and for a second there, I thought it was Dorothy Stratton filing a restraining order against Paul Snyder. Ivanka? Not a good role model for women. After Ivanka's testimony, New York Attorney General Letitia James, who filed the lawsuit, said of Ivanka, quote, despite the fact that she was very, very nice, very friendly, the facts basically demonstrate the truth, unquote. The Attorney General added, numbers don't lie. And then Donald Trump popped out of nowhere and insisted he was six foot two and weighed 170 pounds. So far, this trial has lasted six weeks, with the attorney general bringing 25 witnesses to the stand. Four of those witnesses were Donald Trump and his three adult children, whose long-term memory is so shot, their testimony sounded like a condo board meeting at the Villages. Let's take a look at uh, this for a second. Yes, this is, uh, there's Donald, Ivanka, Eric, and Kimberly Gargoyle. I, I don't know what happened to Don Jr. I think Kimberly trapped him in her silken web, paralyzed Don Jr. by spitting venom into his eyes, and then ate him whole. By the way, aren't the two of them supposed to be engaged in illegally bilking donors uh, to the Trump campaign out of hard-earned cash. That's what I've heard. That's what people are saying. That's the talk. 
Ivanka was the final witness. She closed the prosecution's case the same way she closed every deal she made for the Trump organization by lying about her father's finances. So I hired a sketch artist to go in there and draw Donald Trump while he was testifying. And I think that's a pretty good job, don't you? This is, uh, I thought, whoop, nothing's working today. Come on. There you go. That's Donald Trump. We paid somebody to go in there. That's Donald Trump testifying. And here's another picture uh, the sketch artist did. I don't, I think they made Donald's pig nose too small. And I really like this sketch of Donald Trump testifying. It looks exactly like Donald Trump, right? Doesn't it? Hang on for one second. You know what? It looks like Donald Trump, but I think that's a horse's ass. Is that Trump or a horse's ass? Uh, did my sketch artist draw a horse's ass for Trump's face is supposed to go? Maybe this is a Rorschach test. I, I, I mean, look, that's the tail and that's the horse's ass. I mean, I don't know. Is that Donald Trump or a horse's ass? It's always so hard to tell. You're listening to The Mop-Up for November 9th, 2021. I'm David Feldman. Please like this episode, share it via social media, Facebook, Twitter, and send it as a message on your phone or through an email. Just copy the link and paste it into an email or on WhatsApp or whatsoever. And leave a comment. By the way, this is a podcast. It's an audio podcast, so please take me with you when you're in the car or on a walk by downloading The David Feldman Show wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, make sure to subscribe to my channel. God, that was annoying. That I apologize. That was disgusting. All that self-promotional. I'm really sorry. Somebody's been talking into my ear and saying, this is what you got to do. All right. That was really, I apologize. All right, let's get back to yesterday's civil trial. After Ivanka's testimony, the New York State Attorney General, Letitia James, rested her case against Donald, Don Jr., and Eric Trump in her $250 million civil suit, claiming the family conspired to defraud banks, insurers, and the government by inflating the value of their properties to secure loans and deflate the value of the same properties to pay less in taxes. The next phase of this trial begins with the defense making their case and introducing their witnesses. That's going to be hysterical. That starts Monday. It's going to get even better. The trial was expected to go into December, but it now looks as though it could be over before Thanksgiving. It's important to remember that the Trump organization is already planning to appeal this case because the judge, Arthur Engeron, has already issued a summary judgment that the family is guilty of fraud. That part of the case has already been settled. The only reason for this trial now to continue is to help the judge establish what kind of fine and punishment he will impose. Now, Everything is subject to appeal, but as it stands now, the judge has ruled Trump defrauded banks and insurers, 
And the judge has ordered the dissolution of all of Trump's New York State shell companies, which number in the hundreds. Those shell companies were used to purchase two major properties in New York, Trump Tower and 40 Wall Street. The judge has already ordered those two properties, along with a few others in the state of New York, to be placed in receivership and then sold off. He has ordered that Trump and his two idiot sons get stripped of their business licenses, forbidding them from ever selling real estate or conducting any business whatsoever in New York for at least five years. That's already been decided. And then there is the issue of the fine. When this lawsuit was initially filed two years ago, the New York State Attorney General, Letitia James, said she wanted to fine the Trump Organization $250 million. But that was before the discovery phase, when Trump finally handed over his financial statements, which both the Attorney General and the judge in this case, they went over the books and immediately concluded that the fraud is at a scope far beyond anything imagined when the lawsuit was first filed. So again, this will all end up in New York State Appeals Court. But before the end of this year, it is conceivable the final disposition of this trial will be Donald Trump ordered to pay a fine that could be significantly higher than the $250 million, possibly possibly a billion-dollar fine, or in the billions. He, he will, by the end of the year, been stripped of his license to do any business in New York State, and pending appeal, he will be ordered to move out of Trump Tower, where his wife Melania supposedly still lives. He will be ordered by the end of this year, to relinquish these properties, hand them over to court-ordered liquidators. That will be the disposition of this case going into the Iowa caucuses. And by the way, the same day the Iowa caucuses are being held is the same day his second trial with E. Jean Carroll starts. The appeals process... He's not going to be able to tie this up in court. Uh, if you watched or read about Monday's testimony, he's not going to win on appeal. And it's going to move very quickly through the New York state courts. And the Supreme Court isn't going to look at it. Again, it, it's all pending appeal. But Trump has already lost the case. And essentially all that remains is for Judge Arthur Angeron to decide how much to fine Trump. So starting Monday, Trump and his idiot defense attorneys are going to present their case, but it's going to be a broken record. It's going to be a political rally. There's going to be no substance there. They've already lost. And uh, so this is really bad, really bad for Donald Trump really bad. Now, we are talking about a civil fraud trial that the New York State Attorney General has already won against the former president. 
I don't think we're approaching double jeopardy if Letitia James, the New York State Attorney General, on the heels of this victory, now decides to convene a grand jury and proceeds with a criminal indictment based on the evidence put forth in this trial. Maybe I'm wrong. It usually happens the other way around. First is a criminal trial and then a civil lawsuit. One other possibility, and this is what I think is going to happen. One other possibility is that New York State Attorney General Letitia James will join Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg in his criminal trial against Donald Trump that is scheduled to begin in March. Okay, Trump currently has four criminal indictments. There's the federal indictment in D.C. for January 6th. There's the federal indictment in Miami for uh, violating (laughs) the Espionage Act. There's the Fulton County, Georgia, Rico indictment for the role Trump played in attempting to reverse the 2020 presidential election results in Georgia. And there is the criminal indictment in Manhattan, the criminal indictment indictment in Manhattan. That was Trump's first criminal indictment of the year. Remember, this was April 4th. Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan district attorney, indicted Trump in the New York State Supreme Court with 34 counts of falsifying business records in the first degree. Now, keep in mind that the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg coordinates with the New York State Attorney General Letitia James. He is a city DA in Manhattan, but this case is being tried in the New York State Supreme Court. Now, the indictment has always been the one in Manhattan, the first one, the first time Trump got arrested and fingerprinted. This indictment has always been odd to me, and I've always felt it's a bit of a stretch. And it makes me wonder if Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, timed last April's indictment of Trump so that it would come after the trial would come after the New York State civil trial. Makes me wonder if New York State Attorney General Letitia James met with Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, met with him at the beginning of spring and said, uh, you got to see these depositions we took for the civil fraud trial. They're unbelievable. And you got you to look at the books. We're going through the books. We have these people dead to rights. So I think Letitia James, the New York State Attorney General, said, let me nail them in the civil courts. You go ahead and indict Trump for falsifying business records in the first degree. Then after I win the civil fraud trial, which she has, I'll hand over the boxes of evidence and you stop. You step up with 40 new superseding indictments to pile on to the ones you already have. Those would be new indictments on top of the hush money indictments that the Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg announced earlier this year. I suspect after this civil suit wraps up 
the the nature of Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA's, the nature of his criminal trial is about to have a way more expansive scope. Because so far, the hush money indictments have been peculiar and particular and a bit of a stretch. Some say a head scratcher. Trump in the Manhattan criminal trial, the one scheduled in Manhattan for March, is charged with altering business records in the lead up to the 2016 presidential elections to hide hush money paid to porn star Stormy Daniels. The district attorney maintains that Trump orchestrated what is called a catch and kill scheme through the National Enquirer. And this violated campaign finance laws. Like I said, it's a head scratcher. It goes something like this. I read the indictment. It goes something like this. And I think it's a weak case. It goes like this. According to this indictment, a doorman at Trump Tower claimed to have proof that Donald Trump had a child out of wedlock. So, according to the, Nash, according to the indictment, the National Enquirer swooped in and paid the doorman $30,000 for the exclusive rights to this story. The doorman signs a contract that says, in exchange for the $30,000, I agree that my story about Trump's love child now belongs exclusively to the National Enquirer and only to the National Enquirer. He is only allowed to tell this story to the National Enquirer. And any violation of the terms of this agreement means he has to repay the $30,000 and I'm going to assume he has to pay penalties probably a $30,000 penalty. Then what happens is the National Enquirer kills the story. It's called catch and kill. It's catch the story about Donald Trump, then kill it. They never print the story, and they never have. That's what the indictment says. They bought the doorman story about Trump's love, or considering how Trump raises his other ones is hate child. Now, there's another woman besides Stormy Daniels in this indictment who was also about to come forward to say she had an affair with Trump. And it was the same thing. According to the indictment, the National Choir swooped in. They bought her story for $130,000 and now they own it. She can't tell anyone her story. If she tells anyone the story, she has to return the $130,000 and pay a penalty. So she's going to keep her mouth shut. Think about it. The Enquirer gives me $130,000. I've spent it before the ink even dries on that check. So when they ask for that money back, she doesn't have it. The thought of then having to return that money plus penalties, probably another $130,000 in penalties plus legal fees is too terrifying to imagine. So she keeps her mouth shut and the National Enquirer doesn't print the story. 
They kill it, catch and kill. This is how Trump killed embarrassing stories. According to the Manhattan District Attorney, Trump's then special counsel, Michael Cohen, uh, let me just go wide here for a second. Uh, Michael Cohen, seen here, standing in front of George Harrison and Eric Idle's love child. Look at this guy. Does it? He he is the son of George Harrison and Eric Idle. He's the son that George Harrison and Eric Idle made on the set of The Life of Brian. Anyway, uh, that's true. Anyway, Michael Cohen admitted to reimbursing the National Enquirer for those two stories that they caught and killed. That would be 30 grand to the doorman at Trump Tower and $130,000 to the woman, I think she was, she was a Playboy model, $130,000 to the Playboy model who had an affair with Donald Trump. So the National Enquirer got reimbursed by the Trump Organization for the uh, 160000 they laid out to catch and kill those two stories. Michael Cohen has already admitted that as Trump's special counsel, he went out of pocket personally to pay the National Enquirer the $160,000 to kill those two stories. He has already pled guilty and to falsifying business records. He falsified documents and records in order to make it next to impossible for anyone to find a paper trail leading from Donald Trump to the National Enquirer. And then after Trump was elected president, Michael Cohen began receiving checks from Donald Trump to reimburse Michael Cohen for his payment to the National Enquirer. Michael Cohen paid the National Enquirer to catch and kill these stories, and then he falsifies records, and then Trump, after the election, reimburses Michael Cohen for paying the National Enquirer. Uh, So at least uh, one of the checks Trump handed to Michael Cohen was inside the Oval Office. That was to reimburse him for the Stormy Daniels payment, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, Cohen's reimbursement from Trump, as well as Cohen's reimbursement to the National Enquirer, right? Because the National Enquirer paid the money first. Uh, This was done through falsifying business records. That's against the law. The Manhattan District Attorney also indicted Trump on charges of violating federal campaign finance laws. This is a little confusing, and it's, it's why this is a weak case. This is why I think there are going to be some superseding indictments to, in, in, in a couple of months uh, that I'll get to in a second, because this is some weak cheese here. So the Manhattan District Attorney indicted Trump on charges of violating federal campaign finance laws because when the National Enquirer 
doled out $160,000 to kill the Trump Tower doorman story about the love child and to kill the story from the Playboy model who carried on an affair with Trump. It all came to $160,000. The National Enquirer went out of pocket, paid $160,000 because they paid that in the lead up to a presidential election. It can be seen as what is called a contribution in kind to Donald Trump's presidential campaign. It's confusing. Corporations are not allowed to donate directly to a presidential candidate. And nobody is allowed to donate $160,000. That's way above campaign finance limits. So when you give $160,000 to shut a mistress and a doorman up, it's called a contribution in kind, in kind. It's a way of donating $160,000 to the Trump campaign without donating to the Trump campaign. The, the thinking is, and I think this is a weak case, the, the prosecutor, the Manhattan DA is saying, had word gotten out that Donald Trump had a love child or an extramarital affair with a Playboy model, if the word had gotten out in the lead up to the presidential election, it would have presumably destroyed Donald Trump's chances of ever getting elected president in 2016. Does that make sense to you? Do you, do you see it as a, I don't see it as a contribution in kind. They're saying that that $160,000 was all about saving Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Uh, it's weak sauce for the following reason. Now, you got to sell this to a jury. Trump's interview with Billy Bush, was it Access Hollywood, right? That came out around the same time. Remember, this is 2016. Trump talks about grabbing women's private parts without permission. And it did absolutely no damage whatsoever to him in the polls. So if the American people found out about a love child or an affair with a Playboy model, I don't think or I think his lawyers, I think his lawyers could make the case that it would have had no effect whatsoever on the outcome of the 2016 presidential election. Trump's attorneys are going to say, so why did Trump pay out the $160,000 and keep it hidden? To keep it from Melania. If I'm Trump's attorney, that's what I'm going to claim. He was trying to protect his marriage. Trump didn't need to protect his image as a presidential candidate. Your Honor, if Trump's voters, if my client's voters heard the story about a love child and a Playboy model, then they would have made absolutely certain to vote for him. It's Donald Trump. Also, the Manhattan District Attorney, 
can prosecute for falsifying business records. That's that's what Michael Cohn pled guilty to. But as for Trump violating federal campaign laws, that's a jurisdictional issue that will have to be resolved in the appeals process. Now, before the indictments, an appeals court ruled the case could go forward and that the Manhattan District Attorney could indict on federal campaign finance violations. But I think it's a stretch for the Manhattan DA to be enforcing federal campaign finance law. Yes, he Trump is guilty. Uh, uh, Michael Cohen knew he was violating federal campaign finance law and that this was a contribution in kind. That's why he falsified all those business records, because if he was just trying to hide this from Melania, I don't think she was going to go down that path and hire lawyers and start going over the National Enquirer's books and her husband's books. There's no question that Michael Cohen and Trump knew that this was a contribution in kind and that they were violating finance, uh, uh, campaign finance law. But I think you can go before a jury and insist this was just about saving a marriage. Believe me, Donald Trump can survive anything. He doesn't need to worry about the voters finding out that he has a love child or he, he cheated on Melania. Okay, that's two-thirds of the indictment. And then the final third of the indictment is Stormy Daniels, which is the weakest. This is the weakest part of the indictment. Twelve days before the presidential election... 2016, Michael Cohen, Trump's special counsel, wired $130,000 to Stormy Daniels' attorney in exchange for her not divulging a sexual relationship with Trump. Okay? So you're Trump's lawyer and you're going before a jury. I think you can convince a jury up front that this smells a lot like Donald Trump being the victim of extortion, that Stormy Daniels, as well as her attorney, Michael Avenatti, were extorting Donald Trump. I think lawyers representing Trump could get a jury on board, especially since Michael Avenatti is in prison right now for stealing money from other clients, okay? Remember, Michael Avenatti, remember him four years ago? Think back to four years ago. Back then, he was presidential timber. People wanted him to go up against Donald Trump. And now, maybe they can share a prison cell and finally go up against each other. Michael Cohen has already pled guilty and served time for falsifying business records to hide this transaction, the hush money payment to Stormy Daniels. He, did, he went to prison for this. 
He's, he admitted to falsifying records to make sure Donald Trump can't be traced to the Stormy Daniels hush money payments. Uh, it almost seems unfair to Michael Cohen and in the scheme of all the crimes Donald Trump has committed, this seems like the most innocuous. Because Michael Cohen paid the hush money to Stormy Daniels, he pled guilty to he pled also pled guilty to making an illegal one hundred thirty thousand dollar contribution in kind to Donald Trump's presidential campaign. It feels like horseshit to me. He he. He paid Stormy Daniels $130,000 to be quiet about her affair with Donald Trump. Michael Cohen did. And he had to go to prison because of it was also considered an illegal contribution to Donald Trump's presidential campaign. I mean, we got to repeal Citizens United. We got to get the money out of politics uh, if you're an attorney going before a jury, this smells like horseshit, right? Stormy Daniels wants $130,000 to keep her mouth shut about not keeping her mouth shut one night with Donald Trump. Michael Cohen pays her $130,000 out of his own pocket. And because this happened days before a presidential election, it's considered a $130,000 contribution in kind by Michael Cohen to Donald Trump's presidential campaign because nobody is allowed to donate $130,000 to a presidential campaign. It's bullshit. Right? I get it. You're not allowed to make a contribution in kind. Look, he went to prison for this. I'm glad because he used to be a really bad guy and he did bad things. He's rehabilitating himself. But come on, when you take this before a jury in March, this is not gone before a jury. He pled out on this. Trump is going to take this before a jury. Uh, Trump's attorneys are going to have a pretty easy time proving that the $130,000 payment had nothing to do with winning the presidency. It was about keeping it from Melania. Your honor, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, do you really think Donald Trump having sex with a porn star is going to hurt his chances of getting elected president? My client, Donald Trump, in the past seven months alone has been tried for rape and found guilty indicted for violating the Espionage Act, indicted for running a criminal enterprise to change election results in Georgia, indicted in Washington, D.C. for leading an insurrection, the worst attack on our nation's capital since the War of 1812. And he was just found guilty of defrauding banks, insurers, and the United States government. And despite all that, all arrows now point to his winning the Republican nomination by a landslide 
and right now going on to defeat Joe Biden in the general election. Do you honestly believe, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that Donald Trump needed to pay hush money to a porn star in order to win the presidency? If anything, his affair with Stormy Daniels burnishes the Trump brand. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, your honor, this was all about a married man trying to save his marriage. That's why he paid the $130,000 to save his marriage. So what am I getting at? Well, I said at the beginning, the Manhattan district attorney has a very weak case. Very weak. And I'm not the only one who thinks that. So then why did he go ahead and indict? Again, I think he sat down before he indicted. I think Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan district attorney, I think he sat down with the New York State Attorney General, Letitia James, who knew he had a weak case, but she had an incredibly strong civil suit, which she just won. It's not over yet, but she won it. And I'm thinking, now that Trump lost the civil fraud trial, she's going to hand Alvin Bragg all the testimony, all the evidence, and say, take this, it's yours, go ahead with some superseding indictments. I think Letitia James is going to say, or has said, if I pursue criminal charges now, it's going to look like, I have a vendetta against Trump, which I do. I ran for state attorney general promising to get him. Well, I got him. But if I get any more of him, it'll look partisan and unseemly. You take it from here. And I think right before the Iowa caucuses, because this is political, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan district attorney, just like Letitia James, the New York State Attorney General, they're both elected to those positions. This is political. They are Democrats. And I believe on the eve of the Iowa caucuses or the eve of the New Hampshire primary, Donald Trump will be handed superseding indictments from the Manhattan District Attorney and the disposition of the entire Manhattan hush money trial will go from chicken shit charges about paying hush money to porn stars, mistresses, and doormen. It'll go from chicken shit charges to superseding indictments that involve falsifying business records in order to defraud banks, insurers, and the United States government. It's connected. You have already have Michael Cohen doing time because he falsified records. This whole fraud trial is about falsifying records. It is criminal to falsify records at the scale that the Trump organization did uh, that we're learning about now in, in the civil suit. 
I think Alvin Bragg is going to take the body of Letitia James's work in this fraud trial and absorb it into the hush money indictment that is scheduled for March. Uh, that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, that's how I think it, that's how, what I hope is going to happen. Uh, of all the criminal indictments, and there are four, the Manhattan DA, the Manhattan DA's was always the runt of the litter. I think coming off this fraud trial, this dog of a trial, this dog of an indictment in March is about to grow up and become Beethoven. Remember Beethoven? Okay. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. 